just relax and drive. You look like Miss Daisy. I should be driving. You know fucking sure. Have you ever heard the term bio engine? I have one in my chest. There's a corporation in LA. They will pay me $5 million for it. You would be held responsible if the competition acquired this object. You help me get to LA, I'll give you half the money. What do you say? It's suicide! You want to talk about it? Show me on the way down. No! Come and get it. Lock him and shock him, gentlemen. Welcome to Small Screeners, where we look at direct-to-video and made-for-TV movies. I'm Chris. I've got AJ here with me as usual. Say hello, AJ. What's up, everybody? So we are here to discuss Drive, which is a 1997 direct-to-video action film starring Mark Dacascos and Kadeem Hardison. Kadeem uh, Hardison, that's right. And directed by Steve Wang. Um, just real quick before we jump in, I'm going to do a little plot summary. The plot concerns... Hong Kong special agent Toby Wong, who has had a bio device implanted in his chest, fleeing Chinese operatives and assassins as he attempts to sell the device off in Los Angeles in order to keep it out of China's hands once Hong Kong reverts to their control. Malik Brody is caught up in the chase early on and after forging an uneasy alliance with Wong, helps him evade the assassins and attempt to make it to L.A. So this one was an AJ pick. I had never seen this before, but this Uh is... (laughs) this is sort of the type of movie I had in mind, you know, when we decided to start doing this podcast, doing directed video and, and uh, made for TV stuff because it's like, because it's fucking awesome. (laughs) Well, it's an action movie, you know, with really simple plot, but a lot of cool action stuff in it with stars. You may have heard of (laughs) thrown in and just stuff you would see at the video store in the mid to late nineties that you were like, Oh, that, that was never in theaters. I guess that's made, <laughs> made for video, but I never watched this one. So I guess you had an experience with it in the nineties when it was released. Yeah. Cause it came to HBO. It was one of those, uh, very lucky, not the same deal as freeway, uh, which we previously covered on a yeah. previous episode. Go listen to that one, folks. It's awesome. <laughs> also starring Brittany Murphy. And they were made, I think, a year apart. Wasn't Freeway ninety eight? Um, I think it was ninety. No, no, Freeway was yeah. Freeway was the year before. My bad. Yeah. This is ninety seven, but still a year apart. And yeah, I I had seen like I'm sure ads for it on HBO that it was coming, and I was like, hell yeah, because I'd seen only the strong with Mark Dacascos and had loved it, and I was like, I I thought that dude was going to become a big old star. Do you know only the strong, the Capoeira, uh, Dangerous know. Minds movie? Uh, you you've told me about it before, but I've never seen it. Uh, you should watch it. Anyone listening should watch it. It's total 90s cheese awesomeness. And some great fights, some really good fights. The director of Bloodsport and Double Impact, Sheldon Lettich, I want to say. A couple of JCVD classics for people who <laughs> love those uh, late 80s Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. But yeah, Only the Strong is great. So I was really pumped to see anything else that would be starring DeCascos. And when I saw this ad, I was like, hell yeah. I watched it and I expected, you know, something that would be fun. That's what I hoped for. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know that guy can kick ass. I want him to kick ass. I did not know what I was in for when I saw <laughs> Drive. I was like, this is some shit. Uh, very Hong Kong influenced in its stunt work. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, the coordinator and everything, a Power Rangers veteran, among many other illustrious credits to his name. But it just had an energy to it that I had really only seen in Hong Kong movies, uh, movies from you know Japan or you know some of the few Korean ones I'd seen, just the Asian action movies, you know. Yeah. And it was super cool to see something like that. It was a little bit of a low budget. Um, but they had plenty big explosions and shit. Right. Yeah, the budget plenty. was was for squibs and blanks and explosions. That's right. 
and whatever pads you know the stuntmen were wearing, or you know the payouts for their family when they died. It, it, it's not all that bad, but you know some people did fall from some heights and bounce off things, and I was like, <laughs> some backs do look like they get broken in this in this movie, folks. They bounce off pipes and shit in the most painful ways. It's wonderful. Um, so you not having seen it before, finally getting around to it now. Like, what? what is the thing that jumped out at you first? Was it that DeCascos is badass and should have been a giant star? Was it the actual awesome fights and stunts? I mean, was it, oh, yeah, Kadeem Hardison was kind of funny in that way. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, the, the main thing I took note of uh, was the just the action sequences. Like, there, it starts out pretty early on with a, a big action set piece in a construction site. It was pretty good, uh, pretty good start. But then, like, as the movie goes along, the action gets crazier and crazier. And... You know, Dacascos, I was, I think, first became familiar with him when he was the villain in a Jet Li movie. Oh, Cradle to the Grave. Yeah. And the way I remember it, I saw an interview or something with him in a magazine, Jet Li in a magazine, where he maybe used the internet to, like, run a poll to see who the who his fans wanted to see him fight in his, like, next movie. And I forget who the other people were, but Mark Dacascos was the winner. And so <laughs> that's how Mark Dacascos got ca- uh, cast in that movie as, as the villain. That was the first thing I'd ever seen him in that I'm aware of. Uh, He's got some good stuff in that, but I remember when I watched it, I was like, you know, I kind of wish it was a better showcase for what he can do. Mm-hmm. It's good. And I mean, it was good to see him in a big budget or, you know, a big studio movie. Anyway, I don't know how big the budget was, but right. it was some good exposure for him. And you would have hoped it would have helped to, help break him out but mm-hmm. i don't know why yeah, it's it never like keeps he, happening for him <laughs> yeah he pretty much lived in the you know direct video action movie uh, genre for, for for most of his career he which he's uh you know he's best known now i'm sure to most people for his uh turn in john wick 3 as the yes. ball chef who goes after john wick and uh in that movie but. i think his name is zero that sounds. I, like I, I never think of him as that name. He's just Mark Dacascos when yeah. he shows up. Oh, it's Mark Dacascos, the bad guy. Right on. And he's clearly having such a ball in it. And that clearly was a showcase for what he can do. But he had done two movies with the French director. I want to say his name was Christophe Gans or Gans. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name. You know, I'm, I'm that ugly American, folks. This is the Brotherhood of the Wolf uh, director? Yes. He did Crying Freeman in 95 with him first, which is a, an adaptation of a manga. Uh, they've done, you know, a lot of volumes of those over the years. And then they had done anime of it. And he did a live action French-Canadian-Japanese production, I think. Or at least it's French-Canadian because it's fucking filmed in Vancouver and shit. Amazing action stuff. Very John Woo influenced with a lot of slow-mo and balletic flying around not like wire foo but like flipping in slow motion and then landing with your you know dual wielding blah, 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 blah. right it's, and dacascos gets a chance to really go off and then they did brotherhood of the wolf a few years later which yeah that now now that you say that i i did uh, see brotherhood of the wolf when it was released and so i knew dacascos from that whenever you know that jelly movie came out now that you mentioned it so um, right on but yeah, those those are pretty much the only things I had really seen him in. But I've I've always kind of remembered his name over the years, and I was really excited when he was cast in, in John Wick three. But uh, yeah. but I haven't actually I think, seen a lot of his of his stuff. Well, there's some cool stuff, and you know, there's the Crow Stairway to Heaven, which <laughs> you know a lot of people might like. I don't know. I noped out on that one pretty hard. But he's rad, and he's made a lot of great movies. So you see him in this one, right? And like, what do you think about? the showcase it gives him here. Uh, it's really awesome. Like he, you, you mentioned Capoeira, which is like the Brazilian, like dance fighting, um, it is indeed martial art, which it's is. Is cool for, uh, for film, especially sometimes it can like, it, it almost kind of evokes, uh, Wushu, which is what Ray Park does, like in Phantom Menace and some of his uh-huh. other movies with a lot of like leg work and like high kicks and, and jumping around a lot. It, uh, it's kind of, da- you know, again, it's kind of dance-like. Very When you slow it down on film, it's very graceful and fluid. And the the moves, and the, it's beautiful. And yeah, capoeira is like that. But this, what I, all I ever heard about capoeira, in, in terms of it being an actual system, 
an actual mm-hmm. fighting style is that people who really know how to use it who are expert in it it's really fucking effective and yes. lethal it's hardcore like everyone's like oh that's the dancey thing mm-hmm. try fighting someone who really knows what the fuck <laughs> they're doing in capoeira and if you can move or function after that try talking again about how it's just like pretty dancey <laughs> bullshit you try that and then come back to me on that one yeah uh, yeah, there there have been some uh, some pretty awesome head kick knockouts with capoeira kicks and, and MMA that you, you see every once in a while. There's been some real fucking cool martial arts flicks. The Protector, uh, Tom Young-Gung, Tony Jawan, he gets to fight Latif Crowder in that. And that fight in the like standing water with the fire and shit. Did you ever see that movie where they take his I elephant? Did. Been, Give me back my elephant! That one? 15 yeah. years yeah. or so. <laughs> oh, bro. I haven't seen, seen it yet. Will uh, something... I'll figure something out. This is a because movies. Fucking. <laughs> I believe it's on Tubi or Peacock or something. I just, I just added it to one of my queues recently because I, I saw it pop up. So right on. I have the first one on Blu-ray. I saw the second one and it's fine. I didn't hate it. I know a lot of people did, but I don't need it. I don't need to own it. I do own all, all the own Bach movies, though. You know, the first one, the classic, and then the crazy-ass sequels and prequel, whatever. I think anyway, I might have only seen the first on Bach. Well, there are people that would hit me if I told you it's really <laughs> all you need to see. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they'd be wrong to hit me, but it's not like I'm wrong to say it. You know, no, it's, understand. it's one of those situations. <laughs> um, so, DeCascos, this movie, he kicks your ass. Oh, yeah. Especially you, the, yeah. Uh, the fight in the hotel room, which uh, we're going to spoil I mean, there's not much plot to spoil, really. It's pretty generic action movie stuff. As far as uh, spoiling the action stuff, you know, we're not going to be able to do it justice anyway. So <laughs> just watch this it. This is true. Yourself. We could walk you through step by step of most yeah. of the action scenes in it. And you go, oh, wow, that sounds really cool. I guess I don't need to see it now. No, no. <laughs> yeah, especially the, the motel fight where he they're, they're trying to use these uh, electric batons to neutralize him because they, you know, because he has this bio thing in his chest. They can't kill him. They've got to try and neutralize him to... to Bring him back. They keep trying to shoot him in the legs. It's a point of dialogue multiple times that they will not shoot him in the head. And it actually sets up a, a pretty funny gag later. But the, the, the hotel, the motel scene, they blew up the, her motel. Were you surprised by what he ended up doing to combat the batons? The boots? Yes. I thought that was really, uh, really clever. I liked that a lot. Never seen that in a movie, I bet. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, that that was probably the best as far as his like hand to hand because there's a lot of shootout stuff in this as, as well. But that was, I think, my favorite set piece as far as like just the uh, martial arts stuff. Although he has a really good fight at, at the end as well, obviously. He does with another upgraded bioweapon, whatever the fuck. I, I do like the fact that there is, I think there's a decent balance between the hand to hand, the stunty Jackie Chan Hong Kong uh, using their surroundings and environment to do cool stunty shit and then a lot of you know slow-mo flying through the air blowing people the fuck away yeah the other style of hong kong action i i like the balance of it i i like all the shooty shooty bang bang because <laughs> yeah it's fucking killer <laughs> and i like all the kicks to the head and the beating around the neck and head it's it's wonderful it's just very energetic stunt work you know and i i i know i've probably said that in about 20 other episodes that we've done and i think we've only done what 18 oh, done a, um, a few action movies really though it's something i come back to a lot i you know it just god how can you love action movies and not love energetic stunt work because you got to appreciate what the art and hard work these people do you know this is an incredibly punishing profession they've chosen but they're all kind of like a little bit nuts a little bit self-destructive a little bit adrenaline junkie a little bit aggressive it's all this like perfect stew of like physical nuttery and these people are amazing honestly so when you see something like this where these dudes are just flinging themselves around with wild abandon and to someone like me it might look like the way he landed on that pipe bro you know he broke his back you wince you wince out loud though that shit these people might be the kind of professionals where yeah it ached a little bit but they got up and you know walked it off when kicked someone else in the head, got thrown through another window. You know, that's just what they do. And it will never fail to impress the hell out of me. And I just, I'm pissed off. There's not a fucking stunt category at the Oscars. That's what I'm trying to say. That that's, I said all that to say that there should be a stunt, best stunt team. At the very least, just best stunts. 
You know, I, I would like best stunt work, best stunt double, best uh, stunt team, you know, best stunt coordinator. Like, it's the it, it's a huge part of a huge part of movie going for a huge audience. Mm-hmm. Action movies, large and small, the stunt teams are indispensable. You don't have one without the other. And if you don't, you don't have a good action movie. You don't have any kind of an effective action movie. What the fuck? You know, I mean, of course, there are going to be exceptions to the rule. You have like a few actors and they're all experts in hand-to-hand or something and they are your stuntmen. Okay, fine, whatever the fuck. But the other stuff, it all deserves to be recognized. I think, how can you watch something like John Wick and just think, wow, I guess those guys shouldn't get any kind of recognition. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, thank you, I guess, for doing all the work and everything I just loved for the last almost three hours. I... I'm sorry. I'm getting but a little I mean, too Yeah, we've known for pretty much all of Hollywood history that, that you know, the Academy doesn't really give a shit about genre movies yeah. like horror or action or sci-fi, you know. Comedy it's really and horror genre, yeah. And it is stupid to get mad over the, you know, the Oscars because, like you said, it's been happening for years. It really is a waste of time to get mad over anything any award ceremony or body of awards group mm-hmm. does. It's stupid. Because they're all stupid. It's not like, and I know I've said this before, you can't quantify art that way. It's not stats and sports. Mm-hmm. You can't point to someone and go, that's the unquestioned home run leader, the unquestioned assist man in basketball. You don't have that. You have box office. You have popularity. But the idea of the Oscars is the best. And when anyone ever says the best, all they're really saying is, I like this the most. Yeah. <laughs> so there is, it's it's all just, it's 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 beyond Something as simple as, you know, a popularity contest. There's politics and there's all that other shit. And when you have to include all of that and take that into account, why would we possibly ever get mad for even a second <laughs> over any bullshit that comes from it? It's it's built on bullshit. So I get mad because the Internet taught me to get mad. That's 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 why I'm this way. I used to be nicer. I used to be more happy-go-lucky all the time. But the internet taught me to get mad at stuff on site, like to go from zero to 100. And now I'm mad at the academy. Fuck you. Make stunts. The internet is a communications tool used the world over for people to share pornography with one another and bitch about movies. My dude, known this, this is why years. I love you. <laughs> Let's shift to Card uh, <laughs> Kadeem Hardison. Yes. Uh, so Dwayne Wayne for... I was going to ask if you knew him from a different world. A different Question world. asked and answered. Pretty much the only thing I did know him from. I knew I knew he had been like, you know, this is an action movie with a badass in the lead, and Hardison is basically taken on the trope of the funny sidekick in this movie. Oh, you mean and, Rob Schneider and Judge Dredd? Sure, that's one example. That's not a good example. Uh, um, how about Rob Schneider in Demolition Man? No. <laughs> Rob Schneider in nothing. You will get nothing and like it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Hardison, I, I really don't know much else. I, I do remember him being a different world. And I remember, I must remember seeing, I never have seen this movie, but I must have seen maybe ads for it on HBO or at the video store. I saw the box or whatever, because I do remember always thinking he was in uh, some straight to video action movies later in his career. This may be the only one, but I, I do always remember thinking that. I don't know if I ever saw him in anything more like this. I mean, obviously he would pop up in a lot of shit, you know, white man can't jump mm-hmm. vampire in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Uh, oh yeah. He was in that. Yeah. Uh, even the cool little, uh, like black exploitation, low budget distributed Death by, by t- trauma. Death by Temptation. I love that movie. It's so fucking good. Yeah, I uh, haven't seen Death by Temptation, y'all. Please go see that. Movie. It's uh, cool. yeah. Joe Bob had that on his uh, show. I think last year, so I was able to watch it. I'd never heard of it before. Right on. Did you dig it? It was pretty cool. I was. Uh, yeah. It was better than I expected it to be. That's for sure. I really don't think they had a lot of money at all, but oh, it's yeah. it's got some real cool visual stuff. I mean, it's just it, it's a groovy little movie. I really love it, and I think he's legitimately funny in it. Kadeem Hardison could be funny, man. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> there's probably a lot of people that don't believe that now if they even know who he is. But he really could be funny. That's why he had a career. He was funny. I, I liked. I mean, I really liked a different world as as a kid. Uh, I don't remember much about it now because. I haven't watched an episode in 30 years, but he's pretty good in this. He is probably the script doesn't do him any favors. No, he he improvised a lot of that, dude. Yeah. I think a lot of that is on the cuff on the day. 
Right, and I don't think that's his best his best attribute. He's got good comic timing. He's he's he he seems to be like a generally funny person. Most of the like what seems to be ad libs don't I don't think work very well. It is pretty goofy, and I know that he gave Brittany Murphy the uh, the chocolate boy wonder or whatever the fuck she Uh calls him. Um, (laughs) He suggested that to her. I mean, so it's all very yeah. It literally seems like he came up with it literally while the camera was rolling or Mm -hmm. a second before. So no, it's not going to be top shelf work, and I'm not trying to champion or defend. (laughs) Anything like that. But it's. I will say that the constant little jokey bullshit kind of endears you to the movie because while it doesn't all exactly land, it does create a tone of general jokiness where even when someone is surprisingly like de-handed by a chainsaw, (laughs) which is surprising when it happens Mm -hmm. because you see the chainsaw get introduced into the mix and you're like, oh, okay. But you don't think that's going to happen. Right. When something like that happens, it makes you laugh, you know, because the movie, something crazy and violent or a little bit that might be a more off putting <laughs> in a different movie. You might yeah, go, oh, like, holy fuck, comedy. that dude got his arm cut off. Whereas in this, you're like, holy fuck, that dude got his arm cut off. Yeah, where the comedy really, I think, works in the movie is more of the like physical comedy type stuff like when they take the bucket off the zipline thing and it you know he it slides down because Hardison doesn't know what he's what uh, Dacascus is is trying to do there or when Hardison finally gets a gun and it's got like three bullets and then it runs out of ammo immediately that kind of stuff I think works really it's really funny stuff and obviously the chainsaw as you mentioned yeah. which is but the yeah. best it's the it's definitely the biggest reaction I had in the movie is <laughs> And the after effects of him using the chainsaw. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a pre-Sin City moment there, biting the hand when when Hardison is biting the hand on the <laughs> right when he can't when he can't get it. The thing is, well, I just meant the immediate after effects of him using the chainsaw, where oh. the guy's arm flies in a circular pattern and he ends up shooting himself accidentally. Indeed. It's, it's a weird little movie. (laughs) Yeah. It definitely does have a weird sense of humor about itself. It doesn't take itself seriously, which again is part of what is so endearing about it. Obviously the, the action is top notch and that's why we're all here talking about it and praising it. Really. If it was shitty action, we would not be recording this episode, (laughs) but above and beyond the action there's it's just a it's a fun little movie and it does feel little even though there's big explosions and stuff and plenty of cool hand to hand and like chris said a, a healthy budget for the squibs it's just this it feels like a fun little movie it feels it feels like exactly what it is in the sense that it's it's the kind of thing you discover on HBO or nowadays it's something that not many people know and you find it streaming and it makes you want to tell your friends about it it's one of those that you share. It's one of those that you pass around. I mean, I don't. Maybe people don't do that anymore, but it's the kind of shit we did that with. And that you, when you were hanging out with your friends in the next couple of months after seeing it, you made sure you rented it again, or you looked on yes. HBO and you invited your friends over the next time it came on. That kind of shit. It's one of those. It's just really cool. I mean, I have to assume you're pretty glad you came across it now, and that I was like, "Hey, Chris, let's do this." Pretty happy, right? Sure. Absolutely. That's the kind of thing you want to do with it, because I'm happy that he's happy. You want to share it. It's the kind of cool awesomeness that is fun to share with like-minded folks, which is really what this podcast is all about, I think. We're just bullshitting about stuff and, and hoping that it's the cool kind of thing like this, or Freeway, or, you know, Demonic Toys versus Doll Man. Oh, wait, no, not that one. Not that one at all. The opposite of that one. I'm sorry, I'm good. I got, I got to do it. But, yeah, so... Is this the kind of thing that you would want to get on Blu-ray? They just put out a new that new MVD label. You know, I think that's the one I sent you the uh, the Miami yes. Blues. Right. They just put that out, and it's on Ultra 4K or whatever the fuck. Uh, well, I don't have a 4K player, but I w- no, but- <laughs> now does the do you you have the new blue right? I do not. I do okay. not like, of course, because that's the way the world works. About I saw you reference it on Twitter, so I thought maybe you already had it. No, I just wanted to make sure that people knew there was one because I know bare decent amount of the people that I follow on Twitter that are super into action they're they're they've already got it this is like a whole real like lost movie for a lot of people but do you know if the blu-ray has the alternate cut on it the original director's cut or whatever yeah Yeah, it's supposed to that's cool because I would be curious to see that version I do not have that version the one I watched uh, like I was going to say about a year or so maybe a little more before they even announced that they were releasing that I wanted to watch it 
And I found a copy of it on Amazon, you know, the Amazon uh, streaming stuff where you can buy a digital mm-hmm. copy. And it was like six ninety nine or something. I was like, okay, yeah, just to have it, you know, just yeah. to be able to watch it. And so I got it and, you know, I watched it with my wife and she loved it, which surprised the shit out of me. She thought it was great. And then, of course, yeah, the boutique label puts out the blue and it's like, oh, I could have waited just a little bit longer. So I haven't pulled the trigger on it yet because, I, you know, I do have it, but... I'm going to at some point. It's just too good a movie not to have a copy of in your collection. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about John Piper Ferguson, who is... Loved him. The, the, the redneck the hitman. Yes. I said, yeah, I said redneck hitman. You said hillbilly assassin. <laughs> They're one and the same, folks. It's, you know, tomato, tomato. Yeah, I had seen him in something else. Do you remember Fear Itself, the offshoot of the Masters of Horror thing? Do you know what I'm talking about? I never saw any of it, but yeah, I'm aware of it. The one that Drew McQueenie um, and Bellis won. Drew McQueenie and Swan wrote that Skin and Bones, directed by Larry Fessenden, I want to say, also starring mm-hmm. Doug Jones. That's cool. It's like a, a it, it has to do with the Wendigo and yeah. that whole myth and everything. And it's killer. And John Piper Ferguson is the dramatic lead of it. Doug Jones is really kind of the main guy, but he's, you should see it. You'll, I don't know if anyone is going to see it, but John Piper Ferguson has the meaty dramatic role of it. And he's really good. And it's a great script too. I mean, it was just, I was really impressed that Larry Fessenden does a great job. It was one of the, one of the best episodes of that whole one season uh, experiment they did with trying to move Masters of Horror from Showtime to NBC. One of the more effective episodes. But anyway, yes, I like him a lot. I thought he was very funny in this, and I will stop babbling. You go ahead. Uh, I, I just was going to say, he, he kind of, especially early on, reminded me of, he kind of seemed like a poor man's Brad Dourif. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but I did like him, and I liked him more as as the movie went along. Especially by the time he got around to the point where he's using the um, the the electric baton thing to light his own cigarette, <laughs> and uh, you know his outfit, especially early on, it almost was um, like he was trying to look like uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Okay. That ver that gentleman version of him with like a top hat or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I liked him overall. I thought he was a, a good foil for the you know for the Britacoscus and, and Hardum. Yeah, I mean because he he brings a completely different energy to it, mm-hmm. and it's just a likable. I mean, in a in a really shitty asshole kind of way. <laughs> uh, he's fun to watch, is what I mean. He's go. fun to watch. There you go. So yeah, I liked him a lot, and. That's really it, aside from assorted stuntman. I mean, no, that's not fair. Tracy Walter, the great Tracy Walter from Repo Man and Conan the Destroyer, Batman, Bob in Batman, uh, 89. Um, As one of uh, Ferguson's henchmen. Who the movie wants us to believe when you put a mask over him is like ripping off all this amazing martial (laughs) art fucking karate shit. And it's like... (laughs) Yeah, I noticed that too, yeah. I 100% believe that DeCascos has a fucking <laughs> super bioengineered implant heart in his chest that makes him into it like a super soldier. I do not believe that Tracy Walter is a martial artist, but it's cool. <laughs> we need to talk about Brittany Murphy because, bro, from the moment she is on screen, she's at 100. Oh, yeah. Okay? She's ready to play. She's doing that weird fucking thing. We we talked about it in much the same way. Yeah, the freeway. It's thing. similar to, to the weird character she was playing in in uh, Freeway in the last episode we covered. Well, you know it's funny because uh, we just watched rewatched Drop Dead Gorgeous tonight. Have you seen that movie? I never saw it. No. It's fucking hilarious. It's way darker and more fucked up than you're thinking. And you might be like, "It's PG-13, isn't it?" I don't give a shit. Okay, check that movie out. It's on Max now. And yeah, I've already gotten used to calling it Max. I'm part of the problem. It's on there now. It it came out on Hulu like in 2019, I guess, for like its 20th anniversary. And it was on there. And I remember a few years ago when it was there, I watched it. And it was like, oh, man, I haven't seen this since we rented it. And it was great. And then it disappeared. And you couldn't find it on streaming. And now it's back. You need to see it. You need to see <laughs> no. it. It's the most fucked up beauty pageant movie you've ever seen. Like, bro, you may not, it's not just that people die. It's not just that a person dies. Multiple people die in that movie. Okay. (laughs) The movie does not play. It's sick and fucked up and twisted and it's so great. And Brittany Murphy is doing the same fucking thing in it. (laughs) And there's a, a couple of moments where she's doing it even a little more like they, I feel like the director was like, okay, now at the end of this scene, I want you to start cackling madly and just go until you can't go anymore. And so he film that and then you're watching the movie and she goes and it goes longer than you would think anybody would have been comfortable with because she's just 
she's doing that crazy, 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 crazy unhinged thing. <laughs> it's yeah. It seems like that was must be must have been her niche there at least for the for the late nineties because I know she was in Clueless, but I don't remember seeing her in much between Clueless and like the early two thousands when she became like kind of a bigger deal for a while. Yeah, and then she only kind of pulled that out a little bit. Uh, the the wacky thing. Uh, the crazy thing. But yeah, it was basically what people hired her to do for a few years there. Uh, and it's interesting because she didn't do that in Clueless. She was the clueless, you know, dim, sweet, the sweet thing. You know, oh, we love Ty, but she's not too bright, though. You know, and, and she played that wonderfully. And everyone was like, oh, she's going to have a big career. And she did. But for a while there, she took the road to make these weird little indie. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what you call Freeway, a crime movie. Uh, it's Black yeah. comedy kind of horror because I mean, uh, I mean, in the in in the sense of uh, placing it into a genre, like with Drive, you can call it like an action flick or an action comedy flick, right? Freeway, you can't yeah. just make it that simple. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, Freeway is like uh, I think it's qualified as like a black comedy satire. Maybe okay. okay. Let's just call it cult classic. How about that? <laughs> there you go. But she was taking weird little parts like that and doing these weird, weird. Performances. <laughs> because it seems like she's gonna sexually assault Kadeem Hardison at right. literally any moment. Yeah, or Martin Dacascos when he's asleep, maybe. <laughs> There's a bit of that, and it's creepy. But it's it's hard to hate her. You're like, oh, yeah. girl, you're not you're not right. But you love her. You love her. <laughs> and somehow she owns a, hot- a motel in the yes. middle of nowhere. Yeah, and you know you're watching that whole thing, and when the action pops off, you're like, my, what a spacious hotel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, motel. It's like it's spread out over the land. It's sprawling, one might say. Oh, and how convenient. Her dad's got that nice big garage where they can work in the car, and it's pretty, you know, involved. And there's all kinds of stuff and tools like, uh, I don't know, maybe there might be a chainsaw, perhaps. <laughs> kind of perfect for what these characters need. Exactly. And then a lot of cool uh, stuff they get to do with the cars that are there and elevated, you know, up on the racks and whatnot. And you get to do cool little, like I said before, Hong Kong stunty shit with the environment and sliding down bumpers and stuff. And it's like, it's just so much fun. It's so much fun, dude. I love this movie. I'm really okay. stoked you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And, you know, early on, I wasn't sold on it for the first, you know, half hour. So there was a lot of like stuff that looked badass in 1997 that's pretty dated now. Like some of the, you know, like there's the scene where Dacascus is running out and Hardison has waited for him because he knew the guys were going in to to track him down. And uh, it ends with this big black guy with these goofy looking sunglasses (laughs) with his gun out chasing after him in slow motion. And like, yeah, in 1997 those were probably cool sunglasses and that was probably a cool moment, but now it's pretty dated. And I don't think we ever see that guy again after that moment. Sadly, do we need to No, Clearly he made an impression. He did his job. <laughs> he definitely made an impression. Oh, Christopher. Yeah. His movie, by the time the motel, uh, shootout gets going, you know, I was completely sold <laughs> from that point. See, I remember the thing for this movie. And again, me flipping out about how much fun it is, I have to make sure everyone understands with, you know, this particular caveat. Everyone's mileage may vary. I love this movie so much. I'm expecting that if you like action movies, you will at least have a good time. Yeah. I don't know that everyone will love it the way I do because I bet I could watch that fucker right now and have just <laughs> as much fun as I did, not just last night, but the first time I saw it. I think I've had just as much fun every single time I've ever seen it. And the first time I saw it, I remember when they're on the boat in the first 10 minutes of the movie and he does that flip off of the box, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's going to be that kind of party. There was just something about the confidence of the the shots and the stunts. And I was like, oh, yeah. it's that kind of Hong Kong-y kind of fucking, yeah, let's go. And then they did. And I was with it immediately. And yeah, there's obviously stuff in that first half an hour, especially meeting Kadeem in the bar and everything. It's like, okay, this is not... Ideal, but it's usually mercifully brief. Anything that's not great, <laughs> right? It's the just movie, stuff you got to get through to get to the good stuff. Which yeah. a lot of even really great action movies, even like big budget, you know, action movies have that. Stuff this sometimes. is true. This is true. We're here to see what we're here to see, and we sit through what isn't what we're here to see to get to it. And the good stuff in this stuff. The good stuff in this movie more than makes up for any shortcomings, in my opinion. It's just, oh, yeah. The first time I saw it, I remember when that boat thing 
just started kicking off. And it, it's not really involved, but even just the way he does that side roll flip off the edge of the boat to like escape, you know, little touches like that were just the kind of thing that made me feel comfortable that I was in good hands. People who knew what they were doing, you know, and they were going to give me the kind of action experience I wanted. I could be, I could sit back and not worry, like, is this going to be good? I felt like I could trust the movie to deliver and fucking brother deliver. It did. So for you, after getting through the, the questionable stuff, we get to the motel, you realize you're all in. Do you think it went up another level with the extended uh, climax at the nightclub slash David Buster's mutant. <laughs> fucking- yeah, I, I mean, the first time they drive up on this uh, nightclub, I guess, that's a CGI model, right? Like a really bad one. To be honest, I just kind of went, oh, that's a thing. I, I don't right. really focus on it that much. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't say if it's like an early bad CGI model on this, you know, low budget flick it probably or is a model, maybe like a, a miniature that just looks kind of bad. Or I hope not because that person, I hope they have rethought their career <laughs> or improved greatly. Or it, in the years it since. could have been, you know, a matte painting <clears throat> that touched up with some digital effects or something. Who knows? But, um, but they do have like a practical rocket and everything when they actually, and the interior of the club, doesn't look too bad. It's got like a, a NASA theme, you know, with the, the bartenders wearing a, a flight suit, basically. And Yeah, it's yeah. big enough. It's busy enough in the terms yeah. of the things that will catch your eye or be like, oh, OK, that's different. And it's uh, it's got enough levels and little rooms or areas within itself that lend itself well to action that moves around from one part of it to another or yeah. have different action Fights or you know shit going down in different places at the same time, whatever you know. And it's littered I, 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 with littered uh, with civilians that can be mowed down indiscriminately by the bad guys. <laughs> indeed, and you know the weird fucking businessmen who you know, whatever the fuck those. I'm glad they got shot fairly yeah. quickly. Um, they were in the way really for what I wanted, which was Mark DeCasco's laying waste, and I got that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the the motel sequence had probably my favorite like martial art fight you mean the motel in the garage that whole part or are you just talking about in the motel room i'm just talking about in the room with the the electric baton guys but the final big acting sequence in the uh the nightclub or whatever is a lot more elaborate there's a lot more stuff going on and we have the upgraded model you know showing up for a a mano a mano fight with the coscus as well yeah the only one who ever really gives them any kind of an issue in the movie yeah and almost kills him (laughs) yeah yeah, and it's it's you know entertaining enough how it all goes down. I don't remember that actor's name. I did see where he was. He had been in another Dacascus movie previously. Oh, okay. Let's, I don't think I recognize him from anything else. Really, I may have seen whatever movie he was in. He's credited as advanced model. Oh. Uh, Messiah Cato, perhaps. Okay. Uh, he was also in Crying Freeman. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, dude, there's a <laughs> lot. I mean, there's so many people that die in Crying Freeman. I he looks like he's about the fifth or sixth person listed on the cast on Wikipedia, anyway. So really? not one of the main guys, maybe. But well, that is interesting to me because I don't Ryuji the Blade Hanada. That's his character's name. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. As a matter of fact, he's right hand man. Oh, okay. But they've got a good. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean I know who he is, but I mean. Yeah, there's no way I would have recognized them. It's, <laughs> yeah, he's, it's he's cool that he showed up uh, this, because, yeah, their fights are good. You think their fight is over, and then it gets a little more intense and goes on for a little bit longer, and it's like, ooh, bonus round. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I thought we were going to get um, a classic MacGruber throat rip there for a moment. But <laughs> it looked like it, didn't it? He got supercharged, so that didn't yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was going to be nice. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, so yeah, it ends cool enough. I understand why you like the motel fight the best. That is really cool. And they also, like in the big nightclub sequence, you have, I mean, a ton of, of guys going after Dacascus while the upgraded model just kind of watches, uh, like the short Asian guy in the Simpsons clip. But, like, there's guys on motorcycles, so Dacascus is fighting those guys off. I don't know where they, you know, I don't know who they work for exactly, but, you know, they're in there. Uh, they work for John Woo, and they're on loan. <laughs> but, yeah, there's a lot of article stuff in that final uh, action sequence yeah it's just uh, again it's very hong kong inspired or influenced or you know or adjacent because i'm sure a lot of the stunt team are 
Hong Kong vets and professionals and stuff, especially considering the, um, the stunt coordinator. Again, the guy that I know of as being involved with Power Rangers, Ultraman, like that common Rider and uh, all that shit. Yeah. Uh, stuff that people who know that stuff would like basically need to change their shorts over. I know all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't really <clears throat> either. I've got a, a friend that's really into a lot of that stuff, so he would know a lot of these better than I would. But yeah, he... Um, if you show a lot of the list of television shows is... he worked on and the, the movies he worked on, I bet your friend would pass out. He's <laughs> that kind of guy. He did some shit. And you can tell he knows what the fuck he's doing because those yeah. stunts and fights and choreography is top notch. <laughs> I don't care what kind of budget you got. That's the good stuff right there. That's yeah. the good stuff. But the uh, he, he defeats the upgraded model you know, at, at the end and then we cut to... The, the creator, I guess, or at least the the owner of the IP <laughs> that uh, <laughs> that Dacascos has got, and it's a very similar to the end of Universal Soldier regeneration, where it he's is. got a freezer full of soldiers to try out this technology on. And now that he's lost out on Toby Wong, he, he ain't gonna lose a minute of sleep. He's just gonna make more fast. Yeah, and that guy was the the CEO or whatever was played by the the guy from Die Hard, right? The original. Well, Die Hard. Yeah, that's all I've ever seen him in. That but I mean, the, he's burned into my brain because right. I've seen Die Hard roughly 2,000 times at this point, <laughs> and I can see it right now. I don't even have to close my eyes. There he is. You know, I'm telling you, I don't know. You'll just have to kill me. <laughs> oh, they yeah. did. And he did. Carl was out 20 bucks. <laughs> That's all I've got pretty much on drive. You got anything else uh, left unsaid? Uh, no, cool? no, not really. Yeah, fun, I do. I, if oh, you're in yeah. action, you know, especially of the balls out 90s variety. <laughs> You know, this has, like we said, shootouts, martial arts, a little bit of sci-fi, you know, stuff going on with it, too. He's kind of a super soldier. Uh, yep. Definitely worth checking out. You can find it on Tubi. I think it's on Pluto. A lot of other, I think it's on a lot of stream, uh, free streaming services right now. Yeah, a lot of the, I mean, Freebie, the Amazon Freebie, uh, Tubi, Pluto, all the free shit. I think it's even on Voodoo. You have to watch it with ads, but do it. Yeah. Yeah, I can't recommend it enough. I mean, like I've babbled a million times over this episode it's fun <laughs> i love it and i cannot recommend it highly enough to people who you just i mean if it sounds like the kind of thing you think you'd like you probably will love it <laughs> it's just one of those you and, hear again, and mark Dacascos and you go yeah i think that would be yes go do it now uh, and again thanks for uh for bringing this one in because you know the direct video stuff from the mid to late 90s of like where a lot of genre movies ended up that uh feels like a lot of not only actors but also like, you know, stunt coordinators and directors and screenwriters, like they were trying to get their start in direct video stuff before they, you know, moved on to mainstream, you know, Hollywood stuff. So there's a lot of good stuff out there. I'm excited to get to, to even more of it. So I'm glad you brought this one to the table this month. You are more than welcome. And I, I hope other people check it out. That's all I hope for. We didn't really talk about Steve Wang. I don't think much uh, the director. I mean, can't remember what else he has really done. It looks like he was co-director on The Giver. Yes, uh, and then sole director on part two. Yeah, which I think is much more um, celebrated. Yes, it is. Um, Power Rangers Lost Galaxy. Oh, I didn't know he did. Really, all I know that he did was The Givers and Drive. That's it. So, Um, Yeah, it looks like Power Rangers Lost Galaxy, which I think was like the third Power Rangers movie that I think got a theatrical release. I'm not... Sure, maybe maybe that's actually just a TV series. So, and I don't really want to get into the weeds on Power Rangers, but uh, yeah, he had a few other uh, director credits as well. But yeah, I think Drive and the Guyver Flicks are probably what he's best known for. But before we get out of here, you know, I was kind of struggling to, to come up with a top three for this episode because uh, I was, what was it going to be? Just like, hey, what's your top three action movies? <laughs> that doesn't really work. So. You know, for a I would brief- have been willing to do a top three Mark DeCascos movies, just so you know, because, bro, I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you. I don't really have a list. Couldn't come up with anything in my head. I could not. I tried. I looked it up on <laughs> Google for help. And, bro, let me tell you, Google was not a lot of help unless it well, was if I was looking about bonded shit. Let me tell you, Google had a bunch of ideas. <laughs> And was very helpful, but that's not what I wanted. And it was real hard to be specific in the way that would not give me things that made my eyeballs bleed, Christopher. It was bad. <laughs> well, I, I I mean, I kind of, uh, 
you could maybe say I kind of cheated a little, but like, um, as for your top three bound together flicks, because there was a brief time early on in this movie where Dacascus and is it Hardison? Yeah. Are uh, kind of chained together. There's some action sequences where they've got a, you know, Dacascus has to basically fight off guys while Hardison is kind of chained to him and it's like makes for awkward, you know, fighting and stuff. They eventually get that get separated. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of Hong Kong ones. I'm sure where that happens for a part of the movie. Um, I couldn't come up with anything in my head where it was, here's what I got. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, go for it. Here's what I was able to come up with. I came up with two. Okay. That I that I enjoy. One of them I have been really wanting to rewatch lately. Another '90s action movie, which you may have thought of, Fled, mm-hmm. with uh, Lawrence Fishburne and Stephen Baldwin from like '97, directed by Kevin Hooks, who had done uh, Passenger 57. It's fun. It's stupid bullshit. And then I had The Hateful Eight, and that's the Kurt Russell and Jennifer Jason Lee characters handcuffed together. Yeah. And I don't know why, but my brain took a complete shit on me at that point, and I couldn't come up with anything. I just couldn't. I couldn't. Well, I did think of Fled, but I've never actually seen it. I know you had mentioned it before in one of our other episodes at some point. It's going to be one of those that I guarantee you, you watching it now will be better than it was when if you (laughs) watched it when it came out. I liked it when it came out. I never was like, oh, this is one of the greatest movies ever. But it was fun. It was an enjoyable way to spend 90-odd minutes, whatever. If I watched it now, I'd probably appreciate it more because we we do have the nostalgia for that 90s period of just B-movies that would play theaters. You know, yeah. that kind of shit wouldn't go to a movie theater now in wide release and fled the fuck did. And thank God it did. You know, it's one of those. And you'd just be like, man, this kind of shit was in movie theaters. A whole <laughs> bunch of people got to see this. It was awesome. It's a great time. That's all I'm saying. You're, I think you should watch it, and I think you should experience that dopamine rush of 90s nostalgia. Cause yeah, it I, I have no doubt I would get a kick out of it, but uh, I couldn't pick it because I've never seen it. So. Oh, <laughs> but I did think that you probably would. But yeah, that, it's kind of a trope, you know, people being bound together, but it's always for kind of a short period of time for the most part. There um, is, of course, the Defiant Ones. You ever seen that? No. It was came out in, I think, the late fifties or it's the late sixties. I I couldn't tell you the decade. Tony Curtis and Sidney Poitier, two convicts on a chain gang. They escape and they're chained together and it's a black guy and a white guy and they fucking hate each other. And it's, you know, race and all that shit. And uh, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I can't say bad (laughs) things about it, but it's not something I want to be like, yeah, that's one of my favorite fucking, it's just, right. It it was, it's good in that it puts Sidney Poitier down out there and a lot of people had to see him and go you know there is a black man in your movie deal with it so that's always good have you seen that i assume you have not no i've never seen it i've heard of it but i've never seen it and i don't think i knew sydney portier was in it so but yeah i've got three and again these are a limited time for how these how long the characters are bound together but uh first one i've got is who framed roger rabbit oh uh, Roger and Eddie are handcuffed together for a bit and makes for one of the best gags in the movie when you find out Roger can actually just slip his hand at any time he wanted to. Motherfucker. Maybe only when it was funny. But anyway, the other one, I, uh, next one I got is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Another chain oh. gang where Clooney and Totoro and what's the third guy's name? Tim Blake Nelson. You Tim Blake Nelson are uh, on a chain gang when they escape. One of the best Cohen movies. It's not my favorite, but um, it's it's up in the probably top three or four. Uh, I love Ober the Rart, though. That's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> Another one that uh, is one of the few movies my dad really loves, so I'll watch that pretty much anytime it's on. Nice. Um, and then the third one I've got is a movie that I watched as a kid, and I've thought about bringing it to the table for this podcast because I believe it was an HBO original, Deadlock, which has, I believe, Rutger Hauer. John Chen, right? I, yeah, I was going to say, I can't remember the female lead's name, but they're in like yeah. a futuristic prison Yes, where they have these collars on. And the way they keep the prisoners in check uh, and from escaping is you don't know who you're connected to in the prison with the collars. But uh, if you are, I don't know what, maybe more than a quarter mile away or something, both of the... Uh, the neck braces blow up and blow your head off. So, see, I've never seen that, but you said deadlock, and I'm like, I don't know it. And then you say <laughs> Rucker Hauer, and then I see the VHS box in my head, and I see his face and her face, and I remembered it. I've never seen it. I believe you can, 
I don't know if it's available to stream anywhere for free, but I know that I've seen it on eight or on uh, on YouTube, a copy on YouTube. Right. Um, but I really liked that movie as a kid. I do. It would. There is a, an instance where somebody's collar goes off and their head gets blown off, yes. and that made quite an impression when I was a kid. So, see, that's awesome. But I also would have wished you to see like Stuart Gordon's Fortress when you were a kid. Did you see that movie? No, With don't Christopher think I- Lambert. Kurt Woodsmith, okay, Jefferson, yeah. bro, I've, that is hard as fuck to see right now. <laughs> That's the kind of thing where we didn't know how good we had it. I could have rented that thing on VHS anytime I wanted to go down to Hollywood or Blockbuster or wherever. It was yeah. on HBO and cable all the fucking time. And now you can't find it streaming. It's not available on DVD even. It's it's nearly impossible to watch. And right. goddamn it, it is great. There's stuff that sounds like the dead lucky type stuff, but it's with that extra Stuart Gordon flair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was hoping you had seen it, and I was especially hoping you might have seen it as a young man, around 13 years old. Where <laughs> no, I don't think don't think I've seen that one. Well, if it ever becomes available, I will make sure you get a copy. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's uh, that's it for the top three, I guess. Uh, wanted to check on a couple of recent watches. You seen anything recently that you want to shout out? Um, Extraction 2. Mm. If it wasn't for John Wick 4, that's the best movie, the best action movie of the year. Easy. Nice. It's, it's for me, five out of five stars. I liked the original a lot. I think it was, I think it's probably one of the best action movies of uh, the 2020s. Yeah. Uh, just in, in terms of that kind of action movie and what it delivers, I think it's fucking killer. And I think Extraction 2 is better in every single way. Every single way. Cool. The action in it, is uh, it's what I want from a movie like that. So that's really what comes to mind is Extraction Two. You see, awesome. yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I um, aha, I've seen something you haven't. You suck. <laughs> well, I'm planning to Usually watch. It's me. <laughs> I'm planning to watch Extraction, the original, for another project that I've got, and I wanted to kind of watch that one first again before I watch the second one. So, oh, okay. I was very disappointed you with you for a second. I thought you hadn't seen it. <laughs> No, I've seen the first attraction. I was going to ask you what the project was. Is it Chris stopping being lame? (laughs) I'm kidding. But I mean, that popped into my head, so I had to share it with everybody. But no, it's really good that you've seen it. And I'm just a random asshole. You don't need to hear me. (laughs) A couple that I've seen recently, um, I believe we talked a little bit um, maybe off mic about Evil Dead Rise. Yeah. And I think I talked about it on another podcast, but... Uh, I wanted to, to to get some of your thoughts on the record for <laughs> Evil Dead Rise. Oh, we, I thought we did talk about that on the record. I, I was thinking maybe you hadn't seen it yet when we recorded. Oh, okay. What do I think about Evil Dead Rise? Jesus Christ. <laughs> do you really want to know all this shit, Chris? Um, um, oh, I, I will make it quick. I think it's one of the best in the series. Yeah, I, I I can't figure out how it how it couldn't be because I I will tell you I was not I was not sure about it at first. Yeah, I was I was figuring I would probably enjoy it, but it kind of had a little bit to prove with me, and that's never a good place to start with a movie, <laughs> you know, where you've kind of got your arms folded mentally and you're like, "Fucking show me something," you know. That's <laughs> that's the not a good way to start. But the movie was like, "Oh, like that? All right. Well, let me show you how I'm gonna carry it," and it fucking kicked my ass it's so good it's just so good i loved it i think it's more than a worthy movie to carry on the name evil dead the way that they took a like an old not a top-notch uh, state-of-the-art apartment building no yeah but like this older a little more rundown old school kind of but like has those big apartments that are real spacious it turned an apartment within this apartment building into a cabin in the woods and it turned the apartment building itself into the woods and i never would have thought you could have done that but once they did it and i saw how they did it it made me think holy fuck this could open up the whole evil dead universe to filmmakers that had style creativity a little bit of ambition all the things that this guy brought to this one lee cronin the irish filmmaker but he really went hard the movie goes hard but you could do this like on a plane you know what i'm saying it showed how you could take the format and just and that sounds like blasphemy i'm sure to some people die hard i mean not die hard uh, evil (laughs) dead on a plane i'll fucking kill you well they've already done evil dead in the middle ages so you know what i'm saying but it's still the same it 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 somehow has the same structure as an evil dead movie even though it's a completely different setting it figured out how to move it and yet stay true to 
everything that had come before it. The, the cabin in the woods ones. I'm, I guess I'm moving Army of Darkness out because that's such an outlier, you right. know, structure and story-wise and all that stuff. I love it though we do. It's not really the same kind of movie as the other two are. And then in 2013, very much falls into that. I just, I, man, I, I could not be more happier with it. It is one of the best surprises of the year for me. Yeah, I, I liked it uh, a lot. It's it's going to be a, a Blu-ray purchase for me, for sure. But oh, I will say it is probably my least favorite of the Evil Dead movies, but that's mostly because of how much, it's just because of how much I love all the others. See, here's the thing. I don't want to rank them. Because yeah, I don't yeah. know where I'd put it. And if I I might very well end up with it in the last spot. And I love it so much it feels <laughs> wrong to say sure. that it's it's somehow, you know, the least good. Yeah. I don't know. I did like, uh, and, you know, there's some mild spoilers here. So if you haven't seen it, you can skip ahead, you know, a minute or so because we're, we're going to move along shortly. But, um, uh, you know, bringing in you know, a new book and the new recordings of, you know, these priests that had the book, you know, in the, I guess it's supposed to be in the thirties or something like that. And I heard on, maybe it was Lee Cronin had said, maybe on one of those, I I heard him on Mick Garris's podcast and maybe on the Joe Dante podcast, but I think just for him, as far as headcanon, I don't think he made this official as far as like, this is officially canon, Evil Dead canon or whatever. But for him, like there are three books and you see the three books in Army of Darkness. And, yeah. you know, when when Ash has to choose one and the three books, those three books to him are the book from Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, the book from 2013 Evil Dead and then the book from this Evil Dead. So there's three Necronomicons and those are the ones that, you know, Ash was picking from or whatever, which I thought was an interesting concept or whatever. So I, I love that as a little wrinkle to the lore or whatever, or just just a way that some people can kind of fucking calm the fuck down about where this doesn't make sense this doesn't really line up with blah 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 well it's because it's the three different books asshole okay shut up i uh, people need to be told that sometimes just a wizard did it you know Um, no one ever did it better than that (laughs) that's exactly right anytime that happens a wizard did it Uh, um, uh, another one i saw kind of recently i don't think i've mentioned it yet cocaine bear elizabeth banks uh flick that i think it landed on peacock a while back so i caught it on there i liked it quite a bit it's you know i don't want to be critical but i don't want to overpraise it either it's a good movie i think i was maybe expecting it to be a little crazier than it actually even was um, but it had its you fair share a movie where a bear crazed on cocaine <laughs> openly ate out the innards and body parts of someone on camera graphically and you thought it wasn't hard enough <laughs> But, but it is it is a lot of fun and uh i, I really liked it I'll, i'm sure i'll watch it again mitchell from fucking modern family yeah. gets mother being <laughs> just eviscerated while yeah. alive by the way <laughs> very i think my favorite sequence was the um the ambulance obviously <laughs> oh, Mario Martindale, rest in yeah, peace. Yeah, you know, I was I was curious if she was going to survive that, just because she had survived so much yeah. else. I I saw it, and all I have to say about Cocaine Bear, aside from that, I did love it. I would give it four out of five stars. It knows what it is. It is the new Snakes on a Plane in its way, except I think a lot more people are are cool with it. And I love Snakes on a Plane, by the way. I just want to say thanks, Liz Banks. Thank <laughs> you, thank you for doing it. Just I'm glad it exists in the world. I'm just happy. It's a good time. Yes. Uh, last one I got, I caught this on Tubi. I think it's already off there because it was running. It, it was getting close to expiring before I, I watched it. And, um, you know, I had talked on an episode, I don't know, maybe maybe on one of our Because Movies episodes about the show, the Nickelodeon show, The Adventures of Pete and Pete. So um, a kid show from, from the 90s that uh, I kind of didn't really like that much as a kid, but I've come to appreciate it more now because the writing is so good it's such a weird quirky show and i was looking up some stuff about the creators and katherine diekman was um the director on several of the episodes she kind of was one of the, the the creators were two guys rob will mcrobb and robert viscardi i think but diekman was kind of there helping shepherd the show along for the for the early days and i was looking at some of her um filmography because she had done a lot of music videos in the 80s and uh, 90s uh-huh. And she's got several uh, films that I'd never seen. And one of them was called Diggers, which is a Paul Rudd starring movie. I'm trying to think of the name of the guy who wrote the script because he um, Ken Marino. That's what it is. Oh, um, yeah. So oh, Ken Marino. I know. I love that movie. Ken Marino wrote the script and uh, it stars Paul Rudd and, and Marino and from news radio. What is the an ER? 
Oh, Maura Tierney. Yeah, Maura Tierney. Okay. I was trying to figure out who might be in a comedy with them, and I was like, Andy, like <laughs> Dave Foley? No, no, Maura, Maura Tierney is is She's uh, great. Is in it as well, and her and uh, Paul Rudd are brother and sister. Oh, and uh, it's basically about these clam diggers in the I think early '80s, late '70s, early '80s, who are kind of getting put out of work by you know a bigger corporation that's taking over, taking all the work. And it's, it's a drama with some comedy in it, but it was really good, really endearing. Ken Marino has a role in it as well as as a, one of Paul Rudd's friends. And then a guy I know you like, I can't remember his name. He's the blonde guy from Ghost Ship. Are you talking about Desmond Harrington from Justified? <laughs> no. I, and I say from Justified, he's on one fucking episode. <laughs> Jesus Christ! No, I'm not, I, I didn't. I wasn't not very well prepared. Oh, you're talking about Ron Eldred. Ron Eldred, yeah, that's it. I couldn't find Diggers on Wikipedia, so I couldn't look up any of this. I couldn't yeah, reference. Ron Eldred is one of my favorite character actors. But yeah, he he's also in it. So it, and it's it's mostly a, a drama, but it's got a lot of comedy in it too. And it's cool to see Paul Rudd in a role that is uh, a little more serious. He does serious stuff from time to time, anyway. But yes, he uh, does. He's good at it. Yeah, but I liked it, it quite a bit, and I love Ken Marino. He he's hilarious <laughs> in everything that he's in, and he's probably the funniest character in that movie as well. So so I'm uh, guessing you're a big Ron Donald fan. I would say yes if I knew what you were talking about. Oh, Party Down. Okay, okay. I haven't watched Party Down since the DVDs came out, whenever that was. But I did like, I haven't seen the new seasons because it's on Showtime, right? I think so, yeah. I have not seen it either because, well, yeah, yeah whatever it's on, I don't have. <laughs> but yeah, I did I did like uh, a Party Down. I first came to know him from uh, Veronica Mars. He was the sleazy PI, and then he was great in role models as uh, one of the dads. But every time he pops up in something, I love him. I know him from where uh, a lot of people know him. We're all very lucky in that sense. This state. I used to come home from high school in, I want to say, my senior year. And I would turn on MTV and watch the sketch show The State and... How lucky I was to get to know all those people back then because they are still making shit that I watch and enjoy now. The movie I talked about earlier from 1999, Drop Dead Gorgeous, was directed by a member of the state, Michael uh, Michael Patrick Jan, who also recently just put out um, a horror movie. Have you seen this insane new trend that's so awesome because of Jordan Peele's success and Barbarian? Where apparently, Hmm. if you have any kind of experience in comedy, but have always wanted to make a horror movie, they're giving you the resources to do that. Michael Patrick Jan, have you seen the trailer for that Western horror flick called Oregon Trail, but like Oregon, like body, human organs? Uh, trail. I don't remember if I watched the trailer or not. I I don't think I did. I saw it pop up on like YouTube, but I don't think you should watch that trailer. It's got Sadie, got Sadie Sink in it, uh, other cast members I can't remember right now. But yeah, that's Michael Patrick Jan, whose only other movie that I know of was Drop Dead Gorgeous. And now they've let him do this horror movie. And Joe Latrulio from yeah. Brooklyn Nine-Nine and The State just put out his movie, which is like a horror thriller or survival thriller or whatever yeah. with horror elements, which is nuts. It's like, okay. Awesome. <laughs> Let keep all these coming. guys do their horror movies. Yeah, keep them coming. Yeah, I don't think I knew Marino was in the state. I never really watched the state. I knew, you know, of it. But is that was Michael Ian Black in the state? Yes, he was. Michael Ian uh, Black, Robert Joe B. Walter. Most of the people from the Wet Hot American. Yeah. Not most of the people from that, but people who did that. David Wayne, Michael Showalter. What I meant to say, a lot of people from Reno nine one one, Thomas Lennon, Robert Ben Garant, Carrie Kenny, and then yeah, Joe Latrulio. Like you said, Michael Ian Black. Oh, shit. Am I going to miss anybody? Ken Reno, David Wayne, who I already said. And yeah, I think that's it. And they've all worked together in various permutations since. Like Showalter and uh, Michael Ian Black had that show, Michael and Michael have a TV show or something. Do you know that? Probably not. Do you know Stella? Yeah, I watched a couple of episodes of Cella when it was on. That's weird conceptual shit. It's funky. It's very, I, I don't know how they got anyone to give the money to make that right because it's not like that was going to be loved by more than just 12 percent of whatever audience might possibly catch right. it <laughs> you know speaking of sketch comedy one more thing on the recent stuff i've watched have you caught or do you, or do you even watch i think you should leave i saw uh i don't know how many episodes of the first season and i loved it and just never got back to it and so because of that all these memes come out and i know i'm missing out and I can kind of gather a bit of the context. The hot dog yeah. thing didn't take long to figure out. Right. Um, 
the the guy in the mall with the Marlon Brando melted face thing. Oh God, yes, classic. That's just nightmare fuel in picture <laughs> form. I I don't know if I ever want to see it in motion. Are you kidding me? I might think it's going to come out of my TV and fucking steal my soul. But yeah, the yeah. the third season. The, the great thing about that show is, you know, each episode is like. 15 to 17 minutes, four or five short sketches, and then, you know, it's on to the next. And so the full season is like 90 minutes, maybe two hours. I think there's six episodes per season. So, yeah, I, you know, that's a show I love. And, every, you know, <laughs> sketches, you know, the quality varies between them. But it's a show I can I can barely recommend to people because I never know, like, the comedy is so out there on that that I can see some people just being like, this is just dumb. But, oh, yeah. I mean, it lands for me almost every time. So Stuff like that is hard because you have to be careful with recommending it because that's like once you've done it, you can't take it back. Yeah. That's one of those where that person may never take your fucking recommendation <laughs> about anything humor-related seriously ever again. Right. They might go, oh, okay, yeah, sure, I'll watch that. And then the moment you're away, they're like, fuck, dude. <laughs> After I think you should leave, kiss my ass. You know, those kind of things I understand. You got to be careful where you do and don't because you can ruin friendships. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's tricky. But, uh, high recommendation for me anyway. But cool. uh, I guess that's all I got for this episode of Small Screeners. You got anything else before we roll out? No, no. I think any more, many more gold I'll save for down the road. <laughs> Because I, I think I've I've done my best to derail this particular episode as thoroughly as I can, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna cut my losses and say watch Drive. Well, let people know where they can find you on the internets before we roll out of here. I am currently on Twitter under the name AJ is the Haunted Gels of Mario Baba because that's just the asshole I am, which is at Haunted Gels, and I'm also on Instagram. I believe I'm Alberto AJ Man, and I'm on Blue Sky under the username AJ McCready. What about you, Chris? Find me on Twitter and Instagram at BrodyMan34. You can also find the Twitter and Instagram pages for the show at Small Screeners. Uh, I've also got another podcast I do with my buddy Jesse Starcher, along with some other people uh, on 90s comics called uh, the Unspoken Issues podcast. Uh, where we cover 90s comic books. And I think that's going to do it for this one next week. We're going to be, or next month, or next episode, whenever it comes out, because it's probably going to be more like two weeks instead of a month this time. But, um, or Christopher. Next time out, we're going to talk. You guys don't know what he does. <laughs> a little true crime. See y'all next time. Peace. It's the kind of town where people want to raise their children, serve their community. But something is about to happen. You see, Peggy? I'm trying to get her, but no one answers. That will rock this town off its very foundation. Oh, my gosh. The police say that they've got your fingerprints and your footprints at the scene of the crime. It's a Morrison here under arrest. You're nothing but a murderer. Peggy, when the ship is your brain? You just chopped and chopped and chopped on her. She's not insane. Woman whacks her neighbor 40 times with an axe, but she's not crazy. There were any serious problems in your marriage? You ever had an affair? I do, yes. Were you managed to? There were fingerprints left by the killer all over the house. There was hair left. There was blood left. Whoever did this had enough damn composure. Take shower before leaving. I can't have you lying to me. I want you to tell me right now who you're covering up for. Brian Dennehy, Barbara Hershey. I'm a good person. Killing in a small town.